All right, so it is good to be with everyone today. Uh, I wanted to read from uh, Matthew in this section where Jesus is talking about us being the salt and light of the world. And it's kind of cool words for us to get our head around, the salt and light of the world, that we can actually be that. Jesus is talking to the church here, and he says this in Matthew 5, in verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. He's talking to the church. He's talking to us right now. You're the salt of the earth. But if the earth loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And salt has certain characteristics. Salt has the ability to bring flavor to food. It's got the ability to preserve things that would be rotten or decayed without the salt. And that as the church, we've got the ability to bring flavor into the world. That we can make the world a tastier place. That we can bring preservation to things that would otherwise be rotten and decayed by the world. That as the church, we've got that ability. And he says that... It, If it loses its saltiness, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. That we as the church are supposed to be different. We're supposed to have different characteristics. And if we lose that ability, he says it's not worth anything anymore. And it's not accomplishing what it was sent out to accomplish. And it just needs to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And then he says we're the light of the world. And uh, and it says a town on a hill can't be hidden. And we've experienced this when you're uh, out in the country, out on the interstate. And you're driving up to a big city. Say you're driving up to Chicago and you see... The light coming from the sky, and the sky just lights up with the city lights of a big city, and you can't hide it, and that we as the church are supposed to be like that. We're supposed to be like a light that's on a hill that can't be hidden. That as the church, we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to exude the light and life of God into the world. And it says, also people, they don't take a light. They don't light a lamp and they don't then put it under a bowl, right? You don't take a light and then hide it, that light underneath a bowl. Instead, they put it out on a stand and it gives light to everybody in the house. That we're supposed to be like that. And it says in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That as the church, we're not supposed to just hide away in buildings and churches and in our homes, but we're supposed to engage in real places where real people live and take that light to others and to have be a people marked by good deeds. And that we're not saved by our good deeds, but we're work, we have a faith that actually works and that we can do these things and that people would come to know our Father in heaven, it says, that as we do these things, it would bring glory to God, that there's actually something supernatural that happens when we live life rightly in the world, the Bible says. So this morning, what I want to do is challenge us to be people that are the salt and light of the world. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be the salt and light of the world? Does it actually mean that we as people of God have the ability to bring light into dark places in our world and see the life and light of Jesus shine in on those places? It does. We have that ability as believers in Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean that we actually actually have the ability to be the salt of the world, to make this earth a tastier place, to make it a better place when Christians are a part of it. Does it mean that we have the ability to preserve things that would otherwise be decayed? It does. We as Christians have the ability to be the salt and light of the world. And I remember Jesus. You remember the story about Jesus born into this really humble circumstance. He's born as a uh, carpenter's son. 
and he works as a carpenter, and he lives in relative obscurity for the majority of his life, like the first 30 years of his life. He spends his time working as a carpenter's son, and he's learning how to be a child, and how to respect his parents, and he's learning how to be a friend, and he's doing regular everyday life, and yet he's God in the flesh. And he's got to be thinking that we are the salt and light of the world. And then fast forward to where Jesus is now doing his ministry, and we just read the words of Jesus to the church. And he's not saying these things about the salt and light of the world. He's not talking to the religious leaders of the day. He's not talking to the political and social leaders of the day. Instead, he's talking to regular, everyday people. People like you and people like me that work regular jobs and do regular things. He's talking to them saying, you can be the salt and light of the world. He's talking to the fishermen and to the carpenters. Some of these guys are socially and financially disenfranchised. And he's talking to them and saying, you matter. Your life, it matters. And that's his message to us this morning, that we matter for the kingdom of God. And we can relate because we are moms and we are dads and we are friends and neighbors and co-workers and we have business relationships, we're employees and employers, and we're students and we're teachers, and we do regular everyday things. And God's saying, in those moments, I want to move and I want to be made known. And it reminds me of what we've been reading in Matthew that has spurred on this series that we've been in for the greater part of this year. We've been in this series where we're looking at Jesus' commands, and it all started from a verse at the end of the book of Matthew where Jesus says something to us. He gives us this mission, and it's kind of a disturbing text in a lot of ways. It says this in Matthew 28. It says, "'Go and make disciples of all nations.'" And if you read in your Bible, there's a heading right above it. And it's what says the Great Commission. And it's what we've come to know as the Great Commission. And it's the mission that Jesus gives us as the church. And it's disturbing because for many of us, we don't own this as the Great Commission. Instead, it's been the Great Omission in our lives. And we're not actually leading it out. And I don't think what Jesus is talking about here is going door to door or standing on a street corner or holding a crusade. Those are things that can help people. But I don't think that's what Jesus was getting at when he said, go into all the nations and teach them about me. I don't think that's what Jesus was getting at. I think he was talking about the regular spheres of life that we're in. That Jesus said we're supposed to be the salt and light of the world. That means we're supposed to be different. That means that we need to live life full of the Holy Spirit. I was talking to some small groups of people uh, several months ago, and I asked this question when I was with them. I said, what are a few key things that would be really important for us to have in our life if we're going to successfully follow Jesus Christ and be about his mission that he gave us? What would be a few critical things that we've got to have in place in our life if we're going to successfully follow God? And here's some of the answers that I got. One of them was this, and they all kind of related to each other, but here is one. We need to be in relationship with other Christians. I think that's a good answer. That one kind of spills out into the rest. That we need to do life with other people that believe in Jesus Christ. That we need to have those types of relationships in place in our life if we're going to successfully follow God. Another one was we need to have the type of relationships in our life where we've got some accountability in our life. That we need to have some people in our life that are going to hold us accountable. People that we can go to with our struggles, 
with our challenges in life, people that will hold us to a standard, people that will pick us up when we fall down, that we need to have some relationships in our life that push us a little bit towards God instead of pulling us away. I think that's an important thing to have. Another one was we need to have some spiritual disciplines in place. That if we're going to follow God, that we need to have some practices in place of regularly connecting with the living God. Things like Bible reading and prayer and fasting and worship and solitude. We need to have some practices in our life of connecting with God if we're going to serve Him. Another one was we need to be connected with a local church. That if we're going to successfully follow God, we need to be part of a local expression of what God is doing. We need to be part of a local community and be a part of that local church like celebration church we need to be part of a local church another one is that we need to own the mission personally that jesus gave us that we're not just entrusting it to a group of trained professionals pastors or church leaders or missionaries or organizations that we aren't entrusting it to that but instead we're owning the mission personally that jesus gave us to go and to make disciples and the last one is this that we need to have a place that we serve within the body of Christ. Uh, the people I were talking to are largely people that volunteer in different areas within the church, and I think that was an important thing. That we need to have a place where we're connected in with that local church. That we need to have a group of people that we're doing community and service with, that we actively participate in the local church. And th- this is how I broke it down. It's four things that I just want you to evaluate your life on this morning. Look at your life on a scale of one to ten. How am I doing in these four areas? Maybe last year in one of these areas you were great. Maybe right now you're not doing so hot in it. Maybe maybe you know someone that's doing really great in a certain area and maybe they could speak into your life. But look at your life in these four areas this morning and just do a little evaluation. Do a checkup and say, how am I doing in these areas of my life? How is my spiritual health? And the first one is this. And I'll call it Christian community. We need to have Christian community in our life. Pastor Mark preached a sermon uh, several years ago, and some of us have heard this little section if we've been through membership and uh, in the video that we watch as, as a part of that. And it said that he said this about our relationships. He said, if you're in a place where you keep on getting messed up in the same problems, the same sin patterns, you keep having the same issues, you keep having the same drama in your life, you keep having these same things happen in your life, there is a good chance that you don't have the right relationships in your life. If you keep on having the same struggles, the same issues, same drama, all the same stuff keeps on happening, take a look at who you're doing life with. There's a good chance you don't have the right relationships in your life. Jesus said this about the power of our relationships. He said this in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20. He said, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. That when two or three gather around the name of Jesus, he is right there with them. That when we gather together, there is power when we gather around the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, since there's more two or three gathered right now, I want to say a little prayer. So let's all pray real quick. Father, we pray for the Kevin Durant and the Thunder, that they would be quick to beat the Miami Heat and LeBron James. And that they would do it in five games or less. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And that everyone would thunder up. Go Thunder. All right. 
There's power when people gather around the person of Jesus. Uh, some people would say, does that mean that God isn't there if I'm all by myself? Well, no, the Bible says that God's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. But the scriptures talk over and over and over again about the power and presence and special power of God that is with you when you gather together in biblical community with other believers. There's something powerful about the agreement of Christians when they come together around the person of Jesus. And I believe inside of every person that's here today, there is more greatness There are more possibilities. There's more potential in your life. For some of you, it might be a future marriage. Maybe you're single today. God's got a marriage for you that's going to be amazing. Maybe it is a promotion in your job. God's got a promotion for you. Maybe you're going to start a business someday where you get to really help people and you get a lot of satisfaction out of helping people. Maybe you're going to make a boatload of money and really be able to give into the kingdom of God and, and be able to underwrite ministry all over the world. God's got great things in store for a lot of people in here today. But the one thing, the one thing that's holding many of us back is we don't have the right relationships in our life. We aren't doing life with the right people. One thing is for certain. You'll never accomplish all God has set out for you to accomplish in life if you don't surround yourself with the right people. As you read through the scriptures, you'll see that God always uses people to accomplish his purposes and that there's power with the people of God, doing life with the right people. You see it all the way from the very nature of God. You got the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and they're in relationship with each other, that there's community in the very nature of God. And then in Genesis, we're made then in his image. God makes us in his image, and he creates Adam. And he says, what about Adam? He says, it's not good for what? For Adam to be alone. That it's not good for Adam to be alone, so he creates Eve. And I don't think he created Eve just to dress him in the morning and to make him sandwiches for lunch, but he created Eve so that they could be in relationship with one another, that there is power in relationship. Solomon in Ecclesiastes said this. He said in chapter 4 verse 9, he said, two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. I've experienced this in my life and I'm sure many others have experienced this. That When you work together in a team, you always seem to be able to accomplish more. You always get a better result. You always get a better return on your dollar. There's more creativity. There's more problem solving. There's more potential when you work together as a team. I've done this. Anytime I've got a critical task to get done, a a, a special project to get pushed down the road, whenever you've got to get something accomplished, it seems when two people work together that there's more creativity, there's more more problem solving. There's more that gets accomplished when we work together with other people. And Solomon's a smart guy. He said, two are better than one. They get a better return for their labor. That if one of them falls down, he says, one can help the other up. That life is going to knock you down and punch you in the face sometimes and knock you down. And that if you don't have someone there to pick you up, Solomon says, pity on them that has no one there to pick them up. That we need to have people in life that are going to pick us up. It says also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how will one keep warm alone? I know this because my wife is always cold when she gets into bed and I'm her personal electric blanket at night and I keep her warm. And two people can keep each other warm at night. It says that though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. So you can get each other's back. It says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. That there is a war going on against our life. Our ability to pursue God, our ability to see success in our life, that there is a war going on. And if you're doing it as a solo act, the Bible says that it is easy for you to be broken and to fail. But if you come together in community, it's hard to break through 
through a cord of three strands. That if we do life together, that there is power in that relationship. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and 20 says this, one man can chase a thousand, but two can send 10,000 to flight. So in other words, two isn't twice as good as one, but two is 10 times as good as one. That there is more power in the strength of numbers. That as we come together, that we're able to accomplish more. And the opposite in life is true as well. Not only will the right people push you in the right direction in life, but the wrong people will push you away from God and bring destruction in your life. The Bible says this, the bad company or the wrong people corrupts what? Good character. The wrong people will bring destruction in your life. Um, I was challenged by my pastor when I grew up, when I was about 16 or 17 years of age. I actually went up to him and said, I, I grew up in the church, but I found myself not doing a very good job of pursuing God, doing all the wrong things. And he challenged me to do this, and it's my challenge to you this morning. He said, take a look at the five most dominant voices in your life. Who are your closest friends? Who are the five people that you have the closest relationships with? Take a look at them. And I took a look at them in my life. And the five people that I was surrounding myself with that were the most dominant voices in my life did not have a desire to pursue God. And that right there was the handwriting on the wall. That was the trajectory of my life. It was no wonder I was struggling to follow God when at the end of the day, it's what I really wanted to do. And if you're here this morning, I would think, you know what? Look deep. The deepest challenge that you've got in your life this morning is to pursue God. But if you're not doing it well, take a look at who you're doing life with. You might be doing life with the wrong people here this morning. And he challenged me to break off some of those relationships. And I talked to those guys and said, you know what? I'm really wanting to pursue God in my life. But I can't seem to pursue God and you guys at the same time. It's not working for me. And they kind of respected me for it, to be honest with you. Some of these guys grew up in the church with me. Some of them didn't. But they respected me for it. And I did life like that. And I surrounded myself with five people that we didn't have the same sense of humor. We didn't have a lot in common. We didn't like doing the same things. But we came together and had unity around the person of Jesus Christ. And we followed him together, and it was a defining moment in my life where I was able to really grow in my faith and see myself become a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. So take a look at that this morning and look at who you're doing life with. If you look at the five most dominant relationships in your life, you'll see the trajectory of your life every time. Take any area of your life, say your work life. You surround yourself with people that want to do nothing but complain about the company, complain about the boss, there's no chance for promotion here, we're never going to succeed, this company's going nowhere, always complaining, I don't want to work here. You take five people that have that attitude and you're going to see a professional ceiling that's just been put on your career. Because you've got that attitude. You've got a bad attitude and you've surrounded yourself with people that are just the same. And you're going to see destruction in your work life. Now, on the other hand, you take five people that say, you know what? We can succeed here at this company. We can work here as unto the Lord. We can do life the way God's called us to live. And you'll see a professional ceiling that's just been raised and promotion possibilities that are going to happen every time for that person. Do life the right way. Take marriage in your relationships. You take those and you take a bunch of people that want to complain about their spouses 
And Lord knows we're not perfect spouses, right? But you pull them together and you complain about your spouses and you're going to see marriages and families that are on a path towards destruction every time. You take five people that want to encourage each other in their relationships to love their wives like Jesus called us to when he said, love your wives the way we're supposed to love the church, the way God loves the church, that we're supposed to do relationships right, do relationships the way God called us. You surround yourselves with those people and you're going to see marriages that are heading towards a path of success and really being light, really being salt of the earth because they're doing life rightly. Take your relationship with God. I had that situation in my life where I was surrounding myself with the wrong people and my pursuit of God was going all the way down to zilch. And I surrounded myself with the right people. My energy levels towards God went way up. Who are you surrounding yourself with? And why does all this matter? Because when you gather with the right people around the kingdom of God, living for Jesus, there is power and the right things start to happen in your life. And I know we want the right things to happen in our life. So the first thing is, if we're going to be the salt and the light, if we're going to participate in the great commission, instead of it letting, letting it be the great omission in our lives, if we're going to do this, we've got to have the right relationships in our life. The second is familiar, or similar, but a little bit different. It's this. We've got to be the body of Christ. In the Bible, we're referred to as the body over and over again. The church is referred to as the body of Christ. And that like a body is made up of all these different parts and members, and but it's one body and it all functions together. That each part has its fit. That my toe doesn't try to be my spleen, right? We all have our different functions within the church. That as the church, we're also like that. That we've all got different functions. All of us that make up the body of Christ have a function within the church and we need to play our part well if the body's going to be healthy. Romans 12 and 3 says, For the grace given by me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Pride will get in the way sometimes of finding your fit in the body of Christ. Maybe you're a little bit new around here. Maybe you haven't gotten plugged in. Maybe you were plugged in at one point. Maybe it was a couple years ago, but you found yourself very distant and not connected with church. It can be, you have to clothe yourself in humility sometimes to get connected with other people. It's pride will keep us away from even engaging in relationship with other people. He says, rather think of yourself with sober judgment in the accordance of the faith that God has distributed each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, all these different parts, and these, these parts don't all have the same function, so in Christ we form one body. And each member belongs to the others, that we belong to each other. And we have these different gifts. For some, it's prophesying. It says, then prophesy according to your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then let them encourage. If it is giving, give generously. If it's showing mercy, then do it cheerfully. And the point is this, that if we're going to successfully follow Jesus Christ, if we're going to be about his mission, if we're going to be the salt, if we're going to be the light, we've got to find our part in the body of Christ. We've got to find our fit. And this is all discovered in the context of community. It's hard to serve when you're all alone, all by yourself. You can go to the fridge and get yourself a bowl of ice cream and serve yourself that. But that's not what the Bible's talking about. It's about talking about serving others. That we have to be around others to do that. It's hard to teach if there's no one there to learn. It's hard to lead if there's nobody to follow. Mercy is played out in the context of relationships with other people. And we have to be with others if this is going to work. So if we're going to be the salt and light, evaluate your life this morning. How you doing? Scale of 1 to 10. 
Are you in the right relationships? Have you found your fit in the body of Christ? What part are you supposed to play? And number three, we need to get the right stuff inside of us. A lot of us remember the song that we used to sing when we were little kids. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you what? Grow, 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 right? And we need to have some disciplines in our life that are going to fill us with the right stuff. I brought a couple glasses of water this morning. This one is dirty water. This is dirty water here. Actually, it tastes pretty good because it's just watered down coffee. And I like coffee. But you've got a glass that's filled with dirty water. And what happens is if we're filled with the wrong stuff, if we're filled with dirty water, we're filled with anger or bitterness or envy or lust or all, the, all these different things, if that's what's inside of us, and this is like our body, and it's filled with this dirty water, and what happens is life is going to bump you a lot. Solomon said, you know, life's going to knock you down. You need someone to pick you up. And when life bumps you, what spills out when life bumps you? It's what's already inside. It's the dirty water. So when life bumps you, what spills out is anger and lust and greed and bitterness. And that's spilling out. And a lot of us would say, no, 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 no. It's that person over there that bumped me. And that's why I got angry. That's why I got bitter. It was that person that did it to me. And what the Bible would say, no, it's already what's inside. It's from what's inside that comes out of a person. It's what's already in there. And out of us spills out these types of things. And what we need to do is take time to fill ourselves with the right things. So we're filled with the fruit of the Spirit, that we're filled with the light, that we've got the salt, that we've got these things in our lives, and we're filled with the very life of God. And when life bumps us, and life bumps us, that it spills out with the life of God, that the right things spill out of our life when it bumps us. We need to be filled with the right things in our life. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 7. He said, and he's talking to the religious leaders of the day here when he's talking to him. He said, it's what comes out of a person. They thought it was all these external things that made you unclean. And Jesus says, no, it's what's already in. It's from what is within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. All of these things come from within inside and defile a person. We need to get the right stuff inside of our lives. I could tell you story after story after story of the wrong stuff spilling out of my life. I don't have time for it at all. But does anyone have any stories of the right things spilling out of their life? The fruit of the Spirit spilling out of your life. We've got to fill ourselves with the right stuff. And the last thing is this. We need to own the mission. As the church, as believers in Jesus Christ, it's not the duty and responsibility of a small handful of trained professionals or pastors or church leaders or missionaries or organizations to do this. Rather, it is the responsibility of every single one of us that have been made new in Jesus Christ here this morning to be the salt and light of the world. Following God is more than attendance at church on a Sunday morning. Rather, it is active participation in the work that God is doing in our communities and around the world. This means that we've got to be in the places of life where regular people live doing regular things. Everyday life matters to God. If you want to be in the center of what God is doing, the center of God's plan, we've got to realize that our day in, day out life, it matters. Our family, our friends, our co-workers, the stuff that we're tempted 
to think is a little bit outside of the will of God is right smack dab in the middle of what God is doing. Take it seriously. My urge today is that we are to live everyday lives saturated with God's grace, that we would fight for great marriages, fight for great families, that we would fight to work as unto the Lord where we're actually cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in our life, that we've got love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and that these things flow out of our lives. If we want to fulfill the great commission that Jesus gave us to go and make disciples, man, celebrate life, live right, and live authentically the life that God has given us. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. I pray for those that serve you here today that they would have a bit of a challenge on them as we head into our week, that we are to participate in the mission that you gave us to go and make disciples. God, I pray that we would fight for the right relationships in our life that would help us grow in our faith. I pray that we would have a desire to pursue you, God, not just on Sundays, but that we would find ways to connect with you throughout our week in the regular practice of our lives, God. I pray that the Holy Spirit would enable us to live regular, everyday lives in a supernatural way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.